This is the Real Magic Podcast. Learn about great design and use it to get great results. Now your hosts, Greg Merrilies and Alan Nunez. Hello, listener, and thank you for joining Greg and I today for the Real Magic Design Podcast, where we try to unpack our experience and help designers and business owners understand how to create amazing designs and work together to make design that's profitable. I'm Alan from Pixel Partners HQ, and here is my co-host, the fabulous, the one and only Greg from Studio One Design. <laughs> how are you? I love it how you talk it up, buddy. <laughs> hey, but you are. You know, you, you just are. <laughs> you are the one and how only. <laughs> what's happening, dude? What, what's happening in your week? Mate, listen, we've got an awesome guest on this podcast, and I'm excited. I've been buzzing about this for a while. But for me, this week, I'm actually trying to focus on cleaning up communications. We're working on a couple of you know fairly complex packaging jobs uh, for, for two different clients. And what we're finding is you know, people love to hit the reply all button you know, and it's causing me headaches, it's causing um, the team confusion, and and really, it's just not necessary, you know, I'm trying to get everyone to be very specific, have single points of call, and then have that one person distribute the information out to all the relevant parties, Um, because, you know, I'm literally getting, on some projects, hundreds of emails where only a very small percentage of them are actually relevant to anything that I've got to do. We, we use Slack internally, and that's one of the best tools ever for cleaning up communication. But, you know, you can't always get your clients to use tools like that. So email is still the staple, and, and I think we're just got to – we're working on finding a better way to do it. Yeah, cool. Do you use a help desk? Uh, yeah, we have a ticket system, um, yeah. but it's actually – chatter that's outside it's part of the planning process rather than the actual job that, that's causing mm-hmm. us a bit of a bit of a hassle so um, enough, yeah. and we still have the same problem with people using the email from the help desk the ticket system and then cc'ing everybody on it but everybody already at our end everybody already sees that ticket so i yeah, think it's okay. just that so whole it's about communication yeah yep. it's a reply all mentality what about you mate what do you got going on well yeah i'm really excited about the guests we've got chris ducker coming up listener um so it's going to be an amazing episode no doubt about that uh, so for me yeah i've just been um you know we're about to change our website so i've just been really digging into the analytics and you know heat maps and things like that just so that i've got something to benchmark and compare to with a new design so yeah that's it's pretty exciting and for anybody who doesn't know what heat mapping and analytics is go back to our previous episode where we did talk about how to test and how to measure so uh, <laughs> you got it mate chris ducker i mean what can we say about chris he's an amazing guy he has a brilliant business and and various brands but his personal branding has really come to life over the last four or five years and and in recent times with you know his book deal for for virtual freedom has just gone on an amazing uh journey mate is there anything you want to add before we get him in here and have a chat to him he's a funny guy just ask him yeah he'll tell you <laughs> no he's really cool let's 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 get him in hey chris how you doing today mate it's awesome to have you here Hey, listen just for the sake of our listeners right like you've had an amazing journey over the last few years right and you know if you could just share with them how you got to where you are today so that they get to know get to know you Sure, yeah. Well, it's called hard work. 
um, that's why <laughs> that's what I'm all about. I mean, I, no, I'm I'm a big believer that you, it, nothing's going to fall on your lap. Hey, I've seen uh, you sitting on the beach doing your work. Yeah, well, I I do that now, but I haven't yeah. always been sitting on the beach doing. No, I mean, it's it's you know it is it's it's a combination I think of uh, you know obviously focus and then just working your ass off. You know, nothing nothing falls in your lap. I'm a big believer of that. I think luck is overrated. I think you get what you chase down. Uh, and that's why I always say chase it down. That's kind of like one of my phrases, uh, my duckerisms, as I call them. And um, that's really, truly what I'm all about. But I mean, it, it's, you know, I'm a sales and marketing guy born and raised in London. I started in the sales game when I was 17, um, selling classified ad space in, in a crappy secondhand uh, secondhand sort of car newsletter back in London and uh, and I went from that to getting involved with the publishing business quite heavily in the UK. I was working for a very large publishing company for about eight years and then eventually came over here uh, to the Philippines in 2000 for work. I got offered a job with one of the international banks here uh, training their telemarketing staff uh, which was growing at a rapid pace and they just they couldn't keep a, a handle on it. So they brought me in uh, two weeks rather two years later I got poached by one of their competitors locally so I stuck around for another two year contract and then by the time that was done I said well you know what sod all this uh, making money for other people malarkey I'm going to go and do it for myself and so uh, I opened up my own call center uh, the lift to sell group which is still up and running to this day we're at about 350 employees uh, multi seven figure annual revenue and um, you know the other business that I you know now own and operate have all spawned out of the outsourcing world uh and into the online world and that's where the whole kind of blogging and podcasting journey began in january 2010 and you know we get to where we are now the book deal comes along the speaking career launches and i i still think it's mad that people will pay me to speak in front of hundreds of people at their event but if they're happy to do it i'm more than happy to take the money uh, i really am but yeah it's, it's been quite a ride particularly the last five years quite a ride indeed and your your parents have a design background yeah they do well i mean i wouldn't necessarily say hardcore design in terms of what it's known as today but my father was an architect right so i i grew up we actually had an old draftsman table you know with the weights and the rulers and all the rest of it we had one of those in in the house in the living room of the house growing up and i have very very fond memories of sitting at that table with him with him teaching me the importance of perspective and depth and all this nice. sort of stuff and you know it's funny it's you you can you can sit at that kind of table and draw you know houses and and cars and all that sort of stuff which we did very very regularly um but then just literally a month or so ago we decided we were going to redesign our little one's bedroom so i just got a couple of pieces of paper and started drawing perspective like my life depended on it and it just it just you recall it you have that memory recall and i gave it to uh to the guy who's going to put together the bed you know the bedroom and he was like i don't think i need to like draw anything like this <laughs> <laughs> so what you use the, the vanishing points in the perspective yes, yeah yeah nice. exactly and and he was like you know i don't honestly think i don't think i need a sketch of design i think you know what you want uh i just need to come in and take measurements and then we can start building so they they start doing that uh two weeks ago and it should be done we should install it this weekend so it's just that and then my mother was an interior designer uh for over a decade with a very very large uh, design firm in london so you know when i grew up you know not only was everything 
perfect in the house. This is where I think I've got a little bit of OCD nowadays because, you know, if I see something out of place, I will go. <laughs> I will go and move that flower pot three inches to the left or something. And it drives my wife absolutely insane. But it's just, you know, when you grow up around perfection like that and smart design and, and nice colors and you know that sort of type of stuff it does it flows into everything else that you do and i'm blessed to, to have it because uh i often get complimented on you know the design of our websites and you know things like that and i think a lot of it's got to do with that initial background that i had growing up yeah so it's running through your veins the old design that's a little awesome. bit i mean yeah. I, I but i can't use photoshop to save my life so okay. you but know, you know I, it looks good but I know what I want and I know what looks good, yeah. Yeah, excellent. All right, that's really cool. And so we've been observing you take massive steps with your personal branding over the last recent, you know, last few years. Mm -hmm. So what are the benefits you see so far and do you think too many people hide behind like faceless brands? Well, I, I don't know whether they hide and that's a really good question because and the term faceless brands is so bang on the money for today's, particularly today's online business world. I don't know what it is, but you know, I have always put myself out there as the real Chris in my brick and mortar offline businesses. So for me, I had no problems doing it online. However, I will say that when I first got started, even though you know my face was everywhere and my name was there on the site and things like that, I did and I was pulling myself back like the real Chris. I was pulling myself back a little bit because you know, at that point, we had corporate, like big American corporate clients, like logo clients, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and I didn't want to piss them off, quite frankly. I didn't want to upset them if I said something on my blog or my podcast. <clears throat> so I would hold back a little bit. But it was the beginning of 2012, so we're just over three years, where I truly decided that, you know what, if they don't like it, they can take the business somewhere else. I'm gonna, I gotta be me all the time now. And that's exactly what I did. And that's when I kind of rebranded and relaunched chrisducker.com and really went heavy on the personal branding side of things. And so what you see and hear all the time online now is the real Chris. And people often comment like when they see me live or when they meet me at a mixer or something like that, say, man, you're just like you are online. It doesn't happen very often. And it's, it's, it's true. I think there are a lot of people that are hiding behind those faceless brands and I, implore upon them to come out from behind the curtain and truly be themselves because people want to do business with other people i think you know the average consumer or or, or client customer whatever you want to call it they want to do business with other people they actually don't want to do business with brands brands want to do business with brands but i think people truly deep down in the very core of what we're about as humans we want to do business with other people people that we know love and trust mm -hmm. um, and notice how i said love and trust not like and trust Everybody talks about no like and trust. No, I call that BS. I call massive amounts of BS on that. You need to love somebody. You as a content creator, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, whatever title you give yourself, you need to be someone's favorite. That's what you need to strive to become. Someone's favorite. Someone's favorite blogger. Someone's favorite designer. Someone's favorite podcaster. Someone's favorite you know, expert in public speaking. Whatever it is. And if you become someone's favorite, they love you. They will buy everything you put out. They will share everything you publish. And they will help you build your business in a viral, natural manner. And so I'm all about that no love and trust. I really love that. I mean, you know, firstly, 
the personal branding journey that you're taking, you know, I think it takes fortitude and it takes confidence to really be yourself everywhere. And, you know, congratulations to you on, on taking that step and saying, well, you know what, this is who I am and, and I'm going to be that everywhere. And the, the no love and trust. I mean, you know, when you like somebody or something, it's very easy to, to turn the tide on that. You know, a like relationship is either like or dislike, you know, but a love relationship allows for just a little bit of latitude. I mean, if somebody has that love relationship and you do something to annoy them, they're still going to love you. They might not like that little thing that you've done, but they're going to continue the relationship. It's not going to be switched off that easily. So, you know, that's the first time I've heard it put like that. That's great. So, hey, Chris, I just wanted to know, you know, what part has design played in your personal branding journey? And, and you know, do you think design has had a big impact on the success of your business? You know, it's funny. At first, I wasn't overly concerned about it. You know, I had a kind of an out-of-the-box blog theme, um, and I was happy with the way it looked. People were happy with the way it looked. They never gave me any massive amounts of compliments, but I didn't get any uh, massive criticism either. So at first, I wasn't really overly concerned about it all that much. I was more concerned about creating content, you know, that people were really going to consume and share. But then... After a while, it became very apparent to me that there was a lot of people in the same niche that were really starting to focus in on their design and the way that their brands looked and things like that. So I, um, I decided, I think probably it was, yeah, it was probably around the end of 2012 when we made major changes uh, to the site and we, we spent a lot of money, a lot of time putting together design. I think design now for me in 2015 and beyond it it's right at the top of the list like everything i do has to look good everything i do has to look consistent with the brand across all channels as well so i think now it's it's very very important i put a big premium on high quality design but i wasn't too worried about it at first but it just goes to show you sooner or later you come around <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, uh, on a previous episode, a, a good friend of all of ours, Taki Moore, you know, makes the comment of, you know, you can have great content, but you wouldn't want somebody to accidentally think that your content is crap because you don't look good. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And Taki is a very smart guy and he, you know, speaks from experience as well. Um, and I absolutely 100% back him up on that. There are many, many blogs that I pop into every now and then, even to this day, because I know the content is good and because I know that the blogger is smart when it comes to whatever it is that they're blogging about. But I look at the design of their sites and I think, well, if I didn't know this already, if I didn't have the inside knowledge that this guy knows his stuff, when I visited this site for the first time, would I stick around? Like you've got like six seconds or something like that to make that first impression online. Would I stick around? And the chances are a lot of the time, no, I don't think I would because the sites just aren't up to par for today's standards. Yeah, absolutely. So, so was there actually like a, a pivotal turning point in your business where you had that aha moment where you worked out design was important? Like, did something happen? Did you get a piece of feedback from a client that really hit home? Or was it just that you had, you 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 gained that awareness with time and, and experience? I think it was the awareness rather than anything else. I mean, I'd like to say that there was that kind of catalyst, uh, that, that, that kind of aha moment where it all slipped into place, but I don't think that's the case at all. I think it was just, you know, people started waking up, man online you know you can tell an out-of-the-box wordpress even the premium wordpress themes you yeah. can tell 
those websites from a mile away. Um, and I think that if you're building a business, as I call it, the business of you, if you're building the business around you, your personality, your background, your stories, what you stand for, like I am today, you better go fully custom and you better make sure that it looks hot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, because if you don't do it, your competition will certainly be doing it. And yeah, it's pretty Absolutely. easy to, yeah, to fall behind. So how do you maintain that quality, you know, that high level of quality in your, in your websites and, and your business? And how does it continue to evolve? Well, you pay. Uh, <laughs> you've got to, I mean, you know, the fact is, you know, you've you got to pay for good design. With something yeah. like design, you're going to get what you pay for. And so, you know, I've got no problems paying designers. I think, actually, I feel like the majority of designers are probably undercutting themselves in terms of what they should. And I know you guys are going to love hearing this. But, um, but, but I, I do, I believe that designers aren't putting the premium on their services when they're really, really good, uh, that they should be. And I think that society or bus the business society, the business world is not allowing people like designers, you know, creatives um, to really make the money they should be making. I think it's slowly but surely coming out of that little funk. But no, I, I mean, I pay, you know, I, I pay for great design and I'll, you know, I make sure that whatever I do across my brand is and this is the key for me and I and I get compliments on this all the time and I mean literally it's got to come in on a weekly basis I'll get either an email or a tweet from somebody speaking about how consistent the look and the feel of my brand is across the entire web so it's that not just on my site it's it's my Facebook cover images it's my YouTube background it's my you know my instagram quote images it's everything i do has that chris ducker feel to it and that that look to it and i think that is the key to maintaining um, a good quality personal brand is to not only pay to get you know good design in the first place but then be as consistent as you possibly can across all of the different platforms online because people will see there you know what nothing drives me madder than seeing a profile image on Twitter for somebody that's a different profile image on Facebook or LinkedIn or somewhere like that Especially drives me like crazy. Three years older. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that drives me. That stuff drives me nuts. There's no need for that. Yeah, and so do you have like a style guide for your brand consistency? Yeah, we do. We have, you know, we have our fonts, we have our colors, we have. Um, you know how we're going to use bolds and italics and all that sort of stuff but again i didn't put that together yeah my my designer did and so you know we've got all the html color codes and you know this is the color for for the buttons this is the color for the subtitles you know that sort of type of stuff and my team just follows it they just follow it yeah and that's the best way to get congruency across all your touch points like if you're doing a a, a live show even you, you know your banners can have the same feel yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and that's honestly, and people will, you know, people are visual. I mean, we are visual people, right? We, we respond better to visual uh, aids and visual learning and training than we do written word uh, for the most part. And so, you know, when you do, when you go to a trade show or conference and you see a stand that has the same color scheme, the same font styles, maybe the same images, the same profile, the same logos, you know, you, you, you know that, ah, oh, that's for this guy or that's for these guys. Um, and it's just that, that initial visual kind of confirmation that you're in the right place. Yeah, I think uh, it's really interesting that you talk about connecting 
all the the different levels of your communications. I mean, at your live events, you put a lot of effort into the design of all the different parts of the live mm-hmm. event, you know. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm curious to know, and and I'm sure the listener would love to hear is, you know, uh, are you seeing a result from doing putting all that amazing effort in into the additional design? I mean, you see live events often where you'll be lucky if the slide deck is branded well. Right, exactly. Now, I've just I I just had a designer redesign the slide deck for it's great that you bring that up because obviously as a public speaker as part of what I do you know I put the slide deck together together myself for the virtual freedom keynote which I did over 20 times last year around the world for the launch of the book and I was happy with it but then when I looked back at it at the probably I don't know the last the last week of this first quarter of the year I, I was looking through stuff and I looked at it and I was like Man, did I really show that slide to twelve hundred? Did I really show that slide to like twelve hundred people in Utah? You know what I mean? Like, what am I doing here? So I actually just and and I don't even know. See, this is the importance that I place on design. I don't even know when I'm going to do that keynote again. Like, I haven't got a booking for the virtual freedom keynote on my immediate calendar. But when I do, I want to make sure that I'm one hundred percent confident with it. So I just had a designer redesign the entire slide deck, like forty slides for a 45 minute um, keynote. And uh, now I look at it, I'm like, oh man, why didn't I do this in the first place? So it's it's a great point. And, and, and do I, and you talk about, you know, the you know the live events that I do, like Tropical Think Tank specifically. Yeah. Um, man, I drop, I drop over $2,000 US, which is a lot of money to spend here in the Philippines. That's a huge amount uh, of money to spend for, in the Philippines. For, yeah, for any kind of vendor, that's a crap load of money. I drop over $2,000 for that week on just lighting. Wow. On just lighting. So lighting of the stage, lighting of the uh, the audience, lighting of the you know the palm tree. So we bring these huge palm trees in to sort of act as a backdrop for the stage because it's tropical, there's a theme and all the rest of it. Um, and so we yeah, we, we bring these massive palm trees in. And it was quite funny this year round, they, they got delivered, they put them together. And I walked in uh, after ingress to have a look at how things had been set up. And I was like, where are the rest? No, this is it, boss. I'm like, but there's great big gap. This is supposed to be a bloody jungle on the beach here. <laughs> We've got huge bloody gaps in the middle. There's no gaps in the jungle. What's going on? <laughs> we need more trees. So literally an hour. This is like behind the scenes stuff right here. An hour before everybody was due to walk into the conference room, they're ushering in like additional trees and shrubs and palm trees <laughs> to fill up the gaps behind the stage. And then we had to play around with lighting again, I think. So I, yeah, I put a lot of, um, a lot of focus on on the visual side of things and we have obviously the stand-up banners and you know logo and all that sort of stuff so for us it's it's very very important to have that and i think it has made a profound effect on the attendees and the speakers as well because we have these individual stand-up banners for each of our speakers that we spread out around the the conference room and at the end of the conference they get to take them home if they want you know they roll them up and they take them home and uh, a couple of the speakers are like this is so cool it's much better than a bottle of wine in a room when you arrive as a speaker this is great you know so yeah i think it's it's incredibly important i'll tell you what the reason why i did that in the first place is because as a speaker i've been to a lot of events and some of them they talk a great game but when you turn up you think oh come on give me a break you could have gone to a little bit more effort than this like you know 
uh, a stage with a couple of lights behind on a black curtain is not going to an you know it's not taking an effort as far as i'm concerned and so I've been quite surprised uh, as a speaker. You turn up at an event and you see that they haven't really spent any major amount of time or effort on the overall visual concept of, of the event. Um, so next year we're working on something really, really new and different for Tropical Think Tank. It'll probably cost me more money, but boy, is that stage going to look good next year. Look, I've got to say, just, um, you know, both you and I have, have an office in the Philippines where yours is far bigger than mine. But just to put it in this perspective for our listeners in the UK and the US and Australia, you know, the kind of dollars you're talking about on these events, you know, you would 10 or 20x that, like 20 times that amount if you were doing that effort in the US. So, and, and don't you know discredit because it's two thousand dollars it is still a huge amount of money to spend in the philippines you know so well it's the same it's the same amount of money if you think about like the actual value behind it yes you're right it would probably cost two or three two or three times more in the u.s to do something like that at least but two or three times yeah two or three times in the u.s is identical to what it really costs here in the philippines as well because two grand here is a boatload of money it's Mm -hmm. a boatload of money for service vendor type relationships so you know you it does you know it balances itself out in terms of the overall cost of the event but yeah you're absolutely right and uh but i think it's very important man i you know that that first impression i remember the first time we did the event and we, we we put just as much effort in the first time around as we've done the second and third time around i i truly believe you know, I looked at the first, I, I wanted to see their faces when they walked into that room with their goodie bags for the first time. <laughs> and when they did so, and I could see them looking around and sort of, you know, you know, doing the wow kind of, you know, reaction, I knew that it was worth every penny that we spent on it. That's awesome. So that's the biggest benefit, in your opinion, wowing your prospects and clients. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, you know, you've got guys like Tony Shea over at Zappos, you know, one of his core values for his business is deliver a wow customer service. And I think that's very, very, uh, very, very true of any kind of business. You want people at the first transaction to say, wow, that was brilliant for whatever reason, but that was a great transaction. All right, so Chris, so if somebody's starting a personal brand, what would you say is the most important elements to consider? Well, I think being you is is the single most important factor of any personal brand. Not a regular brand, but a personal brand. So be you all the time. I often say that your vibe attracts your tribe. And so, you know, I'm a little bit more old school. I'm in my early 40s. I've got a, I've got a few years of entrepreneurial experience under my belt compared to some of these new kids on the block online. And so, you know, with my brand, it is a little bit more professional looking. It is a little bit more, I'm not going to use the word classy, but a little bit more business looking um, in terms of the images that I use of myself uh, and you know just the way that my sites look in general Um, but I I like vibe you know I'm a vibrant talkative enjoyable you know enjoyable kind of guy to you know hang out with uh, and I've got lots of energy and enthusiasm about me so that comes across in my brand so I think really just you know putting a little bit of your vibe into your look and the feel of your brand is the most important because what you want to do and I use the term you've got to market like a magnet and when I say that I mean that you need to attract the best and then repel the rest so attract the people that you truly want to be in your tribe and then repel everybody else yes you're going to lose some subscribers but screw it you don't need them if they're not the people that you want to end up working with and serving so just your vibe will attract your tribe all the way 
Oh, look, I love that. Oh, one, one of the things I love uh, uh, is the, the, comp, the, the statement, you know, be yourself, everybody else is taken. Yes, you know, absolutely. It's, it's 100% true. Yeah, a lot of people say fake it till you make it. I think that's just the complete wrong approach, you know. Hey, um, Chris, look, just to, to respect your time, we might uh, sort of wrap this up. You've given us some absolute gold, but we've got a couple of questions before you go. If you Let's could, do it. If you could give our listener one single tip that will get them headed on, on the right path as far as implementing high-quality design in their personal brand, what, what would it be? Well, well, I mean, I, I, think it really, I think it really just comes down to working with the right designer, not just any designer, but working with the right designer for what you're trying to achieve. So, you know, talk to a number of graphic designers before you end up hiring them. You know, don't just hire even... I've even hired people in the past who have been recommendations from people that I know, love, and trust, and they've done a horrible job for me because they haven't been in the right, or should I say the same mindset as me in terms of what I'm trying to achieve design-wise. So I think first up is just to not necessarily work with the first designer that you speak to. Speak with a few of them, get an idea for, you know, what they can do for you uh if possible even ask them to do a couple of little quick mock-ups if you can or wireframes uh if it's a you know a landing page or, or a design that you're working on for a website that sort of thing um even if you end up paying a little bit for their time uh, just to see what they can possibly do for you i would do that don't just get into bed with the first designer that you go on a date with I, I think you need to go on a few more dates with a few more designers before you do that yeah, I think that's gold, and so that they really get to understand your personality and what, yeah. you know, and your vision essentially. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I've worked with you, uh, you know, you before, Greg, in regards to particularly t-shirt design, and you know, for me now, when I think of putting together any kind of specifically any kind of t-shirt design you're my guy like i don't think i i don't think of anybody else because i'm very happy with the work that you do we've got a good connection with each other we know you know what each other is about uh and i know that you're going to put together top quality work for a good price and so you know for me it's about finding the right people for the right job for my design on online i'm blessed to be on the rainmaker platform which is owned by copy blogger media who also employ some of the best web developers and designers on the planet. So I'm covered when it comes to web design on that side of things. So, you know, it's about finding the right people for the right job. And do you pay a premium for that? Yes, of course. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. of course. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm blessed to be in the position where I am, where I am one of their kind of, you know, first kind of thought leader type clients with the rainmaker platform so i get a little bit of a break but believe me i'm i'm paying well for it they, they don't they don't do what they do for free <laughs> put it that way <laughs> yeah, that's good good to know okay so what's exciting you in your business for say the next year uh well that's my community uh yes. so i'm launching my my mastermind community this has been six months of hard work behind the scenes already. Uh, so the whole of this year we've been working on it. It's been the only project that we've really been working on developing. We took a little bit of a break for Tropical Think Tank, obviously, in May, but it's been pretty much the only thing we've worked on this year. It's been three years in terms of thought process and planning, though. Um, so it's been a while to come around. So this is... Um, Man, this isn't just next year. This is next decade for me uh, in my entrepreneurial career. So it's it's a, a mastermind community that has been put together for 
anybody that wants to build the business of them, the business of you. And so, you know, we're, we're going to be working really hardcore with, you know, solopreneurs, uh, authors, speakers, coaches, bloggers, podcasters, all those kind of people in helping them build fantastic brands and businesses. And uh, I can't wait to launch it. it it's going to be uh, it's going to be exciting to see what what comes of it all. Can people get on a waiting list for that? They can. They can go to youpreneur.com. That's Y-O-U-preneur.com. And we're actually going to give everybody on that list specifically, we're going to give them one week's uh, notice before the general public and actually even before my normal mailing list for chrisducker.com. So anybody on that list are going to be able to get in to the community and start utilizing it um, a week before everybody else. So if people that are tuning in are interested, they can go ahead and pop on that. So youpreneur.com. Awesome. So, youpreneur, chrisducker.com. Is there anywhere else that people can get in contact with you and learn more about you, or are they definitely the best places? No, I mean, chrisducker.com is the mainstay. That's where everything that I do online is is there. So, uh, that's that's where everybody should, should be, you know, kind of... Uh, directed to but um i'm a big twitter guy as well twitter and periscope are my two biggest social media passions so i scope every day at 10 p.m eastern time and i am on twitter uh, on and off throughout the course of the day as well i don't do facebook anymore uh, except for adverts i think the the rest of it is a waste of time uh, google plus is obviously dying a slow death and linkedin is just one big spam haven so twitter and periscope is where it's all at now for me in terms of uh, the social side of things do you have a big following on periscope uh, I think we've just eclipsed uh, 5,000 or so, which is, I, I feel like that's big. I mean, I've only been really using it for <clears throat> the last sort of seven or eight weeks um, and, and scoping daily for probably the last three weeks. So I'm happy with that number. There are, you know, some people that have got bigger numbers. But, you know, it really comes down to, it's like anything else social metric-wise. You can have 100,000 people following you on Twitter. But unless they're clicking on the links in your tweets, they might as well be not there at all. So, you know, these are all social vanity metrics. But when I look at, you know, my, my live and then my replay statistics on Periscope, you know, I on average, I'll have around about 1,500 people join the live broadcast and then around another 1,500 or so watch the replay. So that's 3,000 out of 5,000. That's a pretty good number for me. I'm quite happy with that currently. But Periscope, I believe, and we're talking about personal branding, um, you know, and, and, and it just all sums up. It's a perfect way to, to wrap up the conversation because it sums up everything that we've talked about <clears throat> in terms of being you and projecting the business of you and what you're all about and, and attracting your tribe properly. Periscope, for me, is the biggest game changer on the social media platform for, you know, that's come out in the last few years. I mean, for me... It's huge for people that are building personal brands because you get to be in front of your direct community, your direct audience and interacting with them in a very unique way. It's more than just YouTube marketing. It's more than podcasting. This is like, it's like podcasting on steroids for mm -hmm. me. And for a guy like me who has got no problems being in front of the camera, who can ad-lib well, um, who can answer questions off, you know, off the top of his head, for people like me, it's dream come true. Like, I wish I had this five years ago. I really, truly do. So I'm looking forward to getting really stuck into Periscope. And um, hopefully Twitter don't screw it up with a ton of stupid adverts and things like that. But uh, it's still very much in this infancy. It's only four, four, five months old. So we'll see how things develop in the course of the next 12 months. But uh, I'm loving it so far. And it is personal branding and steroids. It really is. 
And would you say the fact that you do it at a specific time each day helps build the uh, awareness and the consistency? I think, of- <clears throat> you know, there's, that's a really good question. There's a lot of people that are kind of just jumping on whenever they want to, yeah. and they're getting good numbers, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm a little bit more strategic in the way that I've built up my brand. So I'll email my list on the same day every week. I'll podcast on the same day every week. People come to expect a certain something at a certain time from Chris Ducker. And so I want Periscope to be exactly the same. So I do hop on from time to time at different times. But every day at 10 p.m. Eastern time, which is 10 a.m. my time currently here in the Philippines, um, you know that Chris is going to be on for 30 minutes and he'll have a little bit of content planned and then I'll do a good 10 minutes of Q&A. And people like that, you know. So I think it's important. You know, I look at, honestly, I'm looking at it like a TV show. Like I'm actually calling it Duckerscope. Like that's a hashtag right now. Um, so, so you know, hashtag Duckerscope. And the reason why I created that hashtag in the first place, there's a bit of strategy behind it, is that there's no way to search for subjects yet on Periscope. You can only search for people. You can't search for subjects or talking points or or topics. So with hashtag Duckerscope, I can go ahead and make sure that that's on all of the tweets that I send out for my broadcasts as well. So when I'm live and on the show, I say, hey, if you want to catch up on the replays or stay up to date with the conversation, just go to Twitter and, and search for the hashtag Duckerscope and people do it. And people find the replays and they have the discussions because I monitor the hashtag myself and I see people doing exactly that. So it's working. Very cool. That's fabulous. And I think just just to, to wrap, up, wrap up on that, I think that's an illustration of your personal brand. You know, Chris, you, you, you're organized, <clears throat> you're well planned. So you pass that through your brand by making sure that everything that goes out is consistent and, and, and systemized. So it, it's it's respecting your clients and being yourself. Chris, it's been fabulous having you here today. Thank you so much. I know our listeners are going to get a bundle out of this. Mate, I'd love to catch up with you, hopefully maybe at uh, one of your next live events. Yeah, it'd be great to meet you guys uh, again and be able to hang out and have some fun and all the rest of it. So, you know, it, until next time. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Thanks so much, Chris. Thank you for having me on. It's been a great chat. Man, Greg, wasn't that just awesome with Chris? Man, yeah, he's, he's gold. <laughs> I mean, he's just built an amazing brand. It's taken five years and, like you said, a lot of hard work, but... Now, you know, he really values investing in design and, uh, yeah, you can see the results are incredible. Yeah, and and look, I know from past experience when we've worked with him that, you know, he has had more than one designer working on a particular job and then he selects the winner. He pays everybody, but he selects the winner and I'm sure he's refined that process now, but he does know that one designer isn't always the solution. So, uh, mate, what's your killer tip from this episode? I think you need to rhyme more. I mean, uh, you know, vibe attracts your tribe, market like your magnet, um, ducker rhymes with. I think Chris is very good at tweeting, so, you know. um, But, yeah, okay, so what? Uh, Everyone's got to go out and come up with a rhyme for their business. (laughs) Exactly, that's my killer tip. Mate, my killer tip is just, you know, be yourself. Everybody else is taken and don't hide behind your brand. You know, everybody has their ups and downs. Every business... Every brand has its great sides and its bad sides, but be transparent with it. You know, if you are OCD organized, 
well, make sure your brand is OCD organised, you know. And if you are a little more vibrant and, and disorganised, well, you know what, have that fun and playful nature to your brand. So really think about your personal brand, your business's brand, and be true to that brand. Yeah, exactly. Be true to yourself. And I think that's his key message. And when he speaks on stage, he really pushes that one home. So that's probably my other killer tip. Just be yourself as much as you can. That's something I'm working on. Hang on, but that doesn't rhyme. <laughs> that's a good point <laughs> alright Greg cool. mate I will catch you on the next episode uh, listener, Thanks, listener therealmagic.com and some comments on, on um, iTunes would be awesome you got it thanks for listening thanks for listening to the Real Magic Podcast hear more at therealmagic.com <laughs>